Good morning. Um, I have a lot for us this morning. I have a lot for us this morning. Hopefully it's all uh, going to come together as I'm sharing. Um, I felt to share, he just left it open, which is hard. I'd rather have a topic or I'd rather have something to exegete out of the Bible or passage of scripture in the series. But he's like, just preach on whatever you're feeling. And I think it's stuff that both of us feel in this season. And hopefully I'm able to share it well in a way you guys can receive. <laughs> Marie was joking with me. I was saying I was tired before the meeting. And she said, you need a rest. And I said, that's what I'm preaching on. <laughs> so maybe not necessarily a physical rest, but a spiritual rest in God, the things that we have in God, the rest we have in him. So I'm sharing this morning on walking or stepping into our inheritance. Um, yeah, and the inheritance I'm speaking on is God's rest. Hugh shared a few weeks back that um, the Israelites in the Old Testament, their inheritance was an actual place. It was an actual land, right? The promised land. But for us in the New Testament, our inheritance is more the presence of God and dwelling in his presence and walking into the rest and peace and the spacious place that he has for us because of what Jesus has done. How many know we live in a busy culture? We live in a busy city, high pressure, high demand on us, right, all the time. We can be driven for success and achievement in our jobs, in everything we do, not working from a place of rest. I see families putting tons of pressure on themselves to be at every fundraising event in the school because their child will have more favor in the school instead of trusting God for favor in the school. Or being at every sporting event that your kid has, they can never miss a game because then they're going to let the coach down and then they're not going to get the play time. There's this intense pressure that they have to be at everything, right? Until you relax and you realize everything is not going to just fall apart if we're not at a sporting event. It's going to be okay. Or do you think if we haven't put our kids in all these programs, you know, and they're not a success by five, we've missed it and their life is done. It's like they, they probably aren't going to make it in life. They're five now and they're not a huge success. That's the city we live in. That's the culture. And I know I'm talking about kids because that's what we have and that's, the, that's my world right now. We feel like we can't let anyone down. We've got FOMO, fear of missing out, right? I've got to be at everything because I'm going to be missing out or I'm going to be letting someone down. And we run and we please and we still never feel like we're doing enough. And we like that with God too. We like that in our relationship with Jesus. Jesus has done all the work, but still we want to do something to earn his favor or to be good enough and to keep trying to be accepted or to keep trying to be saved, to keep trying to have him love us more. But he already loves us more than he can ever love us, as he shared last week on God's love for us. Instead of just simply receiving all that he has for us, Matthew eleven twenty eight. Through 30 says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. God wants us to live differently than the world. As his children, we don't have to be in that place of constant pressure, of constant trying to achieve and work towards something. In Joshua 1, 1 and, verse 1 and 2, after Moses had died and Joshua was taking over, and the Israelites had been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, 
and now it was time for them to enter the promised land, cross over the Jordan, and Joshua, as you guys probably well know, was the one to take them into the promised land. And the promised land wasn't far away. They didn't wander 40 years getting there. They were wandering right next to it, like within reach, which is just mind-boggling, right? If you wandered around 40 years, but you could have just crossed the Jordan and been right in, I mean, isn't that mind-blowing? To me, it's mind-blowing. They were wandering and wandering, and it, yet it was right within reach. They didn't step in. They didn't step in, and sometimes we can be like that. God has this amazing, spacious place for us where we can embrace the fullness of our salvation. We can embrace the rest and peace that's ours because of Jesus. We can embrace the sweetness of the fellowship we have with Jesus. We can receive acceptance in his love. We can have all these things, but sometimes we wander around in the wilderness and we take the hard path or we hold on to the past. We hold on to the old ways of doing things. I know I do sometimes. Not receiving and living in the big place that God has for us. And what kept them from entering in? I think fear of change. They were afraid of the unknown. Maybe lack of faith. It says also they kind of wished for their old ways of doing things. The, even going back into slavery because it was at least comfortable, it was at least familiar for them. We're not that different. And all they had to do was step in. So I want to encourage us this morning, we need to embrace the big, the unknown in God and the spacious place that he has for us. I need to embrace the spacious place he has. Too often we view, our view of God and our inheritance is small. Or maybe we step into the promised land, but we just decide we're going to just live on the little small piece of the land. We just decide we're going to just say, you know, we've accepted the pardon from sin. We've accepted forgiveness from sin. Jesus' death gives me forgiveness from sin. And we enter into that little space. And that's wonderful, the forgiveness from sin. But there's still Christians who sometimes feel that the pardon from sin is just temporary and they still need to keep repenting of their sins over and over again and go back and ask for forgiveness over and over again. And it's not this Jesus' death covered our sin, past, present, and future. Yes, we still repent we still repent to Jesus because of our fellowship with him, but he doesn't see our sin anymore. Even if we sin again, he doesn't see it anymore. His grace covers all past, present, future sin for us because now we're clothed in the righteousness of God. So you don't have to keep being saved. We're saved. We're in. We're forgiven. We're no longer slaves to sin. No longer slaves to the old ways of doing things like the Israelites. And that happens at salvation. So we kind of, maybe we go into that piece of the promised land, we're, we're cleansed, we're sin, our sin is dealt with, but to step further into the promised land is knowing we're accepted and loved by God. And Hugh taught on that last Sunday, knowing the acceptance and the love of the Father. And that's further into the spacious place. Part of your sin is good, but we're also accepted and beloved. I find myself thinking in a small space, just recently actually, I was, I, I kind of had, our whole, the kids' whole life planned out, not life, but maybe like the next five to ten years, kind of like they have to get into the school, and they have to do this, and then they have, and these things have to happen, and then if they don't happen, I'm going to be really hugely disappointed, or God is not good somehow, or he has not come through, right? I think sometimes we are like that. And just like eye-opening moment, and it was so freeing, God just reminded me like, Vanessa, I'm bigger than the school's, 
that your kids get into. I'm bigger than this little narrow plan that you have given me for your life. You've given me like this much room, and maybe I have like all of these other things, and I can do so much more. I'm not limited by degrees, by schools, by all these qualifications that people have. God isn't limited by those things. I'm not saying they don't matter, but I recognize myself living in a small space at times when I think I've got the future set up for us, and actually, God just takes it sometimes and he has something else. It doesn't mean be reckless. Planning is good. Recklessness, I don't understand that. But <laughs> so anyway, so sometimes we live in small ways of how we think God can use us as well. We, we, we kind of already decide how we think God can use us. But I'm here to say this morning, let God expand and allow us to embrace a spacious place, not hanging on. Well, I'm in worship, and that's the way I'm being used, and it's always going to be worship, and that's it. And that's it. I'm a worship leader, and that's how God's going to use me. But God is not limited like that. He wants to add. He wants to encourage us to step out into more, and he has a spacious place. So be open to the things that God might want to use you in and think that they're bigger than what you might think. And I want to encourage us that this morning as I'm encouraging myself, even though you don't feel unqualified, or you don't feel qualified, and you feel like, no, I can't do it, but God can do it, and he can do it in us and through us, even when we don't think we can do it. He can do it. You might think I can never get up front and talk. No. God can. He can do that in us. He can do things in us that we didn't think that he could do. If we allow ourselves to enter a spacious place, of trusting him, embracing the unknown, embracing the things that he has for us. And I am saying this to myself because this is personal revelation as of recent for me. So we're not only pardoned from sin, we're accepted, we're loved by the Father, we can step even further into the promised land. We're sons and daughters. We're heirs with Jesus. We're joint heirs. Everything that is Jesus is ours. The Father is ours, just like he's Jesus's. We're heirs with Jesus. I love this quote. I found this by Charles Spurgeon. Why are we naked and poor and miserable when we are heirs of a kingdom by reason of our adoption of the Lord? Let us take the good the Lord provides us. It's not positive thinking. We're taking the good the Lord provides us, which is real. He actually, what we were singing about at the end, what he actually has done. Why do we live in a poverty state? Not, I'm not talking about physical wealth and clothing. It's spiritual clothing. It's a state of mind. Why, why do we sometimes have a woe is me mentality when we're heirs of the kingdom of God and we just need to take the good that he's given us? Why do we sometimes focus on our misery or sometimes focus on our situation when we can embrace what we have in Christ? Because we're rich in Jesus. We're rich because of Jesus. I need to hear that. I need to remind myself. And I'm preaching it with courage this morning because we have tough seasons and they're real. But we're rich in Christ no matter what we go through. We're so rich. And we can enter in now. We don't need to wait till these five things fall into place in our lives. Well, that's when I'm going to enter in. We can live with a revelation of how rich we are in Christ, even when our circumstances aren't ideal. 
to enter into the rest God has for us. It doesn't mean life will be easy, right? We've gone through some really tough seasons. Yours might be harder. I'm not comparing. Our circumstances can be miserable sometimes, right? Sometimes they're just miserable. And it's just like okay to say that. That's reality. And that's when we need to find our joy in the Lord. That's when we find our joy in the Lord. We can lose our joy. And I know seasons of life can be hard. Hugh and I went through a particularly hard season uh, before we planted. He was in school full time. He was working full time. He was on eldership. We were overseeing at a bigger church. We were overseeing the men's and women's ministries and connect groups for the church. And all while we had three small kids, babies, like Joel was Elliot's age. Um, and I was at home with the kids feeling very isolated, very lonely, and overwhelmed by being a mom. On top of it, we had two of the worst winters that we've had in Chicago. It wasn't that long ago. I remember <laughs> I had PTSD after <laughs> those two years. And I was so miserable. I mean, we were both so miserable. I think we fought for two years straight. I really do. I think we just fought the entire time. All being on eldership. Hi, God is good. Smile. <laughs> but we were just miserable. Um, there are busy seasons in life like that. There are. Where you just feel like, you cannot, God, you cannot be asking me to do this. This is insane. Honestly, that's how we felt. Like, what about me? There's nothing. I have nothing left. This is nuts. And where are you, Lord? You've just totally left us, you know? Um, it was one of those times. But those seasons are okay. It's not actually necessarily a bad thing. It's not actually the end of the world, as I thought it was at that time. There's a difference between being restless and driven for achievement and allowing God to take you into stretching enlarging seasons because he wants to add more to you because he wants to do more in your life and there's there's a difference when god's enlarging us versus just busyness for the sake of busyness right and god was enlarging us that's what he was doing again we fought the whole time i remember there's you know me i'm pretty i i dig my heels in i mean if i don't want to do something i definitely don't do it i really dig my heels in which doesn't make it easy when God wants to show me something. Um, but I remember we had an Ephesians 4 weekend just before this season when he went into school. And the guy basically got up front and said, this is what's going to happen. It's going to be really hard, but God has a hard path for you, and this is what's going to happen. I mean, we talk about the prophetic being really encouraging, right? But actually, sometimes it's not. You know, Sometimes you get those words, um, that, but you know there's a weight on it and God's in it. And this wasn't very encouraging. It wasn't a word. It wasn't encouraging. Everyone else thought it was great because it was a word. But he basically said it's going to be hard. And I said in front of the whole church to him, I don't care. That's what I said. I don't care. Because he basically said, you're going to want this. God's going to do this and it's going to be good. And I said, I don't care. Because I was so mad. <laughs> I was like, no, I'm not doing this. And then... <laughs> So I was not excited about it. And we don't want to be called out like that, right? Because I was really good at hiding that. And sometimes God wants to get to the real in our hearts, which was really in our hearts, is sometimes a, no, God, I don't want to do that. I don't like this. And I think sometimes he brings out that real, even though we like to keep it, if you're like me, on, to, on the surface to keep it together. And I feel like saying this morning, it's okay to be in these tough seasons. It's actually okay. 
nothing's wrong. If God's doing it, if he's enlarging us, if he's bringing this change, it's okay to be stretched and allow God to work in us and grow us. Eventually, I learned to find my joy. After a while, after a long time, I learned to find my joy, and I learned to worship through it. I learned to worship through it and not focus on how miserable I was. And God eventually showed me that life is actually about more than just my own misery or my own happiness. And I tell you up here now, I really thought that's all it was about, is my own happiness and my own joy and my own easy seasons. And I'm being vulnerable. But God showed me it wasn't actually all about that. There's much more to life and more about what he has and wants to do in our lives that sometimes we have to go through hard seasons. Hugh and I had a brilliant message at a college graduation in Boston. We were just that recently. Um, this woman was sharing. She was like the key speaker, and she was great. And her, her message was all about the important things in life, and it was so fitting for the generation that's graduating, right? Like, the important things in life that happen are not the Instagrammable moments, the things that you're going to be able to post to social media. Those things you don't want everyone to see, those are actually the important things in life. And it was such a good message for everyone. The times when we have it all to, like where we don't have it all together, the ugly truth, the ugly truth, the times when we're dealing with our kids and we're fighting for them and with them, and you don't want anyone to see you're having to deal with stuff with them. The lack of sleep from being a new parent, the exhaustion, waking up, you don't want anyone to see the cleaning up the vomit after your kids when they're sick, taking care of someone who's not well, the long hours putting at work when you're learning a new job, the loneliness of going away to college where everything is new and it's hard, and you're committed to this thing but you just want to run back, studying through the middle of the night so that you can do well in the exam. Nobody wants to see those things, right? Giving up hours of free time every week to be leaders at your church. Preparing for worship in the week. Prepping the kids' ministry lessons. All the things that we do that are not Instagrammable, those are the Instagrammable things to God. Those are the things that He cares about. And we need to hear that because we live in a culture that thinks it's all about the things that are posted. The highs. But actually God cares about all those other things. And you need to know those things matter. They matter to God. And if I can be bold to say, I already said it, so I'm not going to say that. <laughs> Sometimes we think, no, I'm not going to say there, sorry. I'm a little lost. There we go. Besides being able to find joy in the tough seasons of life, I also learned not to isolate when things are hard. Not to isolate when you want to isolate. When things are hard, we need community. We need to be real. We need to be able to be real with people. We need the body. People who love and accept us. When we isolate, the enemy can have a heyday. He can bring depression. He can bring lies. He can bring temptation to sin. So reach out to someone who you know cares. Someone who you know will speak truth to you in love. To enter God's rest, we need to give our anxiety and our worries to Jesus. The Bible says, cast all our cares on him. Let me see. Ethan, the Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Thank you. Do 
Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Do not be anxious about anything. If you're anything like me, I just find things to be anxious about. I just find them. I'm like, I need to be anxious about something. I need to find something to worry about. If I'm not worrying about it, what do they think? What do those people think? What if I offended them? Do you think they like me? I'm like, are kids going to be okay? If we travel, what if something happens? Do you really think that, you know, and you think you worry about what people think? Maybe I offended someone. How am I going to get everything done this week? Worry about money? Worry about the future? And then when I don't have anything to worry about, I worry about other people's problems. Like, I'm going to take on their issues, because I can do nothing about them, but I'm going to worry about those. Well, they need this, and they need that, and, maybe could, and it's like, you know, we just find things to worry. We like, I think we like to worry. <laughs> but the Bible says, do not be anxious about anything. Bring all of your requests to God. Give them to him. Not bring them to him like, do something. Bring them to him like, Lord, take them. I can't carry this stuff. It's too heavy for me. Please take them. I trust you with them. Bring your rule and reign in these situations. You've got this, God. And the peace of God comes into our hearts. The peace of God. And we allow the peace of God to rule and reign in our lives. I love that. The peace of God guards your heart and your mind. It guards our heart against disappointment, against lies, it guards us, his peace. And it transcends understanding. It's above our understanding, and also we can have God's peace even when we don't understand. Because I like to understand so much so. I mean, I really like to understand things. And maybe you have things where you're like, Lord, I just don't understand. I don't understand why this happened. And you just can't quit. You've got to mull it over, over and over and over and over until you understand the peace of God transcends, it transcends, it's above what we can't understand. If we allow God's peace to rule and reign in our hearts and minds, and I need to do that all the time, we need God's peace. Isn't that amazing? How it guards us, how we can have peace even when we don't know the answers. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Amen. Trust in the Lord with all of our hearts. He will make our paths straight. Matthew 6, 27 talks about worry. Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers and fields grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was addressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will you not much more clothe you, you little faith? At the end of the verse it says, But seek first his kingdom his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. We've seen firsthand that when we seek God's kingdom first, he provides. He provides everything we need. And then we can work from a place of rest. We can do our jobs from a place of rest. 
I'm sorry. We're not working like a slave, right? We're not working like a slave, working ourselves to the bone for favor and acceptance from our boss. We're trusting the Lord with all of our heart. We're working for him, and we work from a place of rest. We're trusting him for our promotion. We're trusting him. We're not grasping. We're letting him do it. I believe God wants to take each of us into more. And I think that's why he's placed this word on here in my heart. I didn't really want to preach it, actually. I found it to be challenging. I really wanted to preach a very feel-good message, but I didn't get that one. I felt to remind us this morning of several practical things, several practical things that will allow us to enter into more of the inheritance that God has for us. Guard against offense, just to be committed. These are things you guys know, but it's just reminders. Be committed to thinking the best of each other. Be, think of, be committed to believing the best of one another and not easily to be offended. Embrace God's perfect love as the answer to all fear. The Bible says perfect love casts out fear. When we're afraid because it takes courage to step into the promised land in faith, say, no, God, you love me. You've got this. I'm going to trust you in this area that I'm stepping out in faith. Don't measure success in our life like the world does. We want to grow. We want to have, you know, we all care about outcomes, but in kingdom success is measured in our obedience to God. It's not in numbers. It's not in money. It's not in all these other things that the world looks at. And I know you guys know this. Be grounded in the word of God and led by the Spirit. It's not just one or the other. God does lead us by his Spirit, but he never contradicts his word. He never contradicts his word. There's so much revelation we already have in the word of God. But sometimes we run around wanting to hear more. When we already have so much of the answers in scripture. So get the word of God in our hearts so that we can be grounded in the truth of God's word. The Bible said the word protects us and is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. It lights our way. Contend for a culture of honor. Be committed to honoring one another in actions and in words. Some of you remember the booths. Cindy and Kevin came about a year ago, maybe not quite a year. And they, uh, they shared just how not honoring one another and having a culture that, you know, where there's misunderstanding and conflict and um, mistrust of leaders or gossip, that's the things that can cause a church to actually close its doors. So we want to fight for a culture of honor here so that we can walk into more of what God has for us. So let's honor one another. Be continually filled by the Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit in everything. Otherwise, we, come, we kind of become irritable, right? We get tired and we lose our grace and you're short with people or kind of rude. But we need to be constantly filled with the Spirit so that we can have grace and be refreshed again. I'm filled in God. Isaiah 54, 2 says, Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Stretch, strengthen your stakes. For you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. Let's allow God's enlarging in our lives. Allow him to do the work that he wants to do in our lives. 
Allow room in our hearts for more people. Allow room in our hearts for the things God wants to do in us. Not getting complacent. Not getting passive in our walk with Jesus. Not getting content. Not staying where we're at, but saying, more Lord, more Lord. Expand me for more of what you have for us. He wants to put the lonely in family. And he wants to add people at restoration who are lonely and who need family and who need truth and who need what we have. And he wants to add. So I'm encouraging us all to allow ourselves to be stretched and expanded, even though it's hard sometimes. And you can kick up a fuss like me if you want, and you're welcome here. That's fine. I love kicking up a fuss. <laughs> Don't be passive, but trust in our big God and the big things he has for us. And it's okay if the season is hard. doesn't mean anything's wrong. God has this incredibly spacious place for the Israelites, and he has it for us. He has it for us. So I guess the response, actually I'm done with the slides, our response is unique. I guess it's whatever God is saying to you. It could be for some of us to forgive someone, to forgive someone an offense, something we've been hanging on to. For some, it's not going back to that place of doubt and worry or fear that used to hold us. For some, it's letting go of the past, even our ideas or plans for the future and how we thought life was going to be played out. For some, it could be to stop fighting with our spouse and put down the, what is it, the gauntlet or the weapons, whatever. Just stop. Sometimes we had to do that. For some, it's to find joy in our season, even though it's really stretching. It may just be joining a local church family where you can grow and thrive and allow God to use you. Whatever it is we'd love to pray this morning, just maybe a, a corporate prayer, just a grace for us to enter in, just a grace for us for the things that God wants to do in us and through us.